Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Attention collectors of vinyl, have you ever gone into a record store and felt overwhelmed by all the unfamiliar options? Are you frustrated by the constantly increasing prices of classic rock staples? Do you avoid streaming music or long for the days when music was recommended to you by a friend instead of an algorithm? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then check out I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Each week, hosts Sean, Jeremy, and Peter discuss an album and the artist's history. Previous episodes include selections by the Isley Brothers, the Carpenters, the Doobie Brothers, and Donna Summer, among others. Become a bargain bin pro and impress all your friends with cool music trivia. Listen to I'd Buy That for a dollar wherever you get your podcasts. Creative Control with Beesh Comic. Tokyo Police Club are hard at work making a new LP, but they've been playing the odd show whenever possible. They were recently asked to take part in Red Bull Tour Bus, where bands like the New Pornographers, Shout Out 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 Out, and the Sheepdogs play gigs free to the public in their respective hometowns on a giant luxury bus that turns itself into a full-fledged concert stage. It's like a transformer or something, I guess. I, I, I'm, I'm unclear about this, but here now... To maybe contemplate this and explain more is Tokyo Police Club's Graham Wright. Uh, Graham, how's it going? It's going well, Beach. That's a tall order in terms of explaining the bus more than how you did, but I'll do my best. <laughs> well, what is the deal with your band playing on a robot bus? I, I, I'm just curious. What, what, what is going on? I think our whole career has been leading to this moment, really. <laughs> you may, re- may remember robots were a reoccurring motif in our music back in 2006. That's right. That's so right. It's, it's a logical conclusion. <laughs> Have you seen pictures of this bus? I, I meant to do that. I meant to do that before we started talking and I got distracted by something. No, what, what's it's, it like? It's, it is vaguely robotic, but it's also very uh, insect-like oh. in a strange way. The way the speakers are up, it looks like sort of like enormous antennae. So it's, one, it's, one it's got to be one of the evil Transformers <laughs> that transforms into like a freaky bug. That's my theory. <laughs> what was the discussion like when this was pitched to you guys? Hey, do you guys want to play a show on a bus? What did you think of that as a band? 
Well, you know, anytime that Red Bull's name is attached to something that gets pitched to you, uh, you pay attention. We've, mm-hmm. Or at least we do. We've, we've had a lot of good experiences working with them in the past. So it's sort of, you know, if just anyone says, hey, I built a bus. Do you want to play a show on it? You maybe don't pay it that much uh, mind. But this one, we thought it was at least researching. And it does seem, I mean, the things you can do with a bus these days make it almost almost uh, the same as, as a proper stage. So... It's not, uh, it's not too much of a change. I suspect once we're up there, it won't feel much different than, than most stages. Have you, have you ever played a concert on a, on, a, on, a, on a regular tour bus? No, I don't believe so. No, okay. You probably... We play, you know, after a show, sometimes you're sitting on the bus and there's a guitar and, you know, there's a Third Eye Blind song that happens, but uh, I don't know if that quite qualifies <laughs> as a concert. I'm pretty sure that definitely does not qualify as a concert, but I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. It, it, does it? Do people come on the bus and cheer at you while you're covering a Third Eye Blind song? Never yet. <laughs> I like this about you. You're very optimistic. I know that about you. You're just like, it's, it hasn't happened, but it could, and that's great. Well, you know what hasn't happened yet is us playing on a converted bus that looks like a Transformer insect robot. That's and, right. you know, this time next week it will have happened. So <laughs> there's, there's a basis for my optimism, you know. Is this the, uh, well, first of all, you mentioned a kind of history with Red Bull that is a good one. What, what have you done with Red Bull in the past that gave you optimism about this, uh, this venture? Uh, well, you know, la- two summers ago now, I, I guess it must have been, we uh, we did that covers project. We covered a bunch of songs from the last 10 years. And we actually went out to L.A. and recorded that in Red Bull's recording studio. And they have this, in their, you know, enormous, insane office building in California, they have an enormous, inst- insane uh, record studio hmm. that they sort of made available. I don't know if it's still working this way, but made available to bands to come use it. You know, Weezer had recorded there and Fitty Scent had recorded there and all manner of, you know, major bands. And they sort of invited us to come and then spend the whole 10 days there in this beautiful space. And, you know, we got to go into the Red Bull offices and they have this big arty sort of thing in the middle that's really just a giant slide. And, you know, we slid down in and we got some weird side eye and then we left again. <laughs> uh, but it's overall a positive experience. And we did, they have this uh, Red Bull Sounds Clash. I don't know if you've heard about this. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Tell, a, tell, us more. tell us more. Okay, it's a unique concert format in which two uh, dissimilar artists, so for us it was us and Wale, who's a rapper, uh-huh. uh, set up on stages opposite one another with the crowd in between and basically go through a series of rounds in which they cover one another's songs and reinterpret their own songs and compete via like noisometer uh, for points, and, and one of them wins. Oh, and, and who won? Well, there was two of them. Wale won the first one, and we won the second one, although I feel that the statute of limitations has expired now enough that I can say that in the second one, we maybe didn't earn our points totally honestly. What do you mean? What did you do? What happened? Our, our manager traced the source of the microphone they used to do the noisometer, and he took it and brought it to our fan. Oh, well, that's, that's not... Well, it's it, was, it was worth it. It's nice for you to have come clean at this point. I, I'm, I'm just curious. What, who, so were you, you guys were rapping Wale songs? So we would... It, that, that's what's interesting is we were obviously weren't going to rap. So we had to sort of take these Wale songs and completely reinterpret them as indie rock songs, which was... It was a good exercise. It was sort of like right around when we were writing material for, for Champ for the last record, I guess. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
And maybe I'm getting my, no, you know what? It must've been after. I can't recall exactly what it was, but it was a good creative little oasis in the middle of something. And, you know, it, there was less stakes. We were, we were still basically writing songs from scratch, but it kind of didn't feel like it. It felt like there was a bit of a blueprint there and it, it let us sort of be creative and, and mess around in a way that we'd never been able to do before. Right. It was the same with the covers thing, you know, like a lot of those covers are pretty damn different from the source material, but it never felt like we were being that creative. So I think we sort of inadvertently learned a whole bunch of stuff from those two Red Bull related uh, things. Okay, so Red Bull, you, basically what what you said earlier sticks. Red Bull comes calling, you know you're going to be doing something unique and interesting. They sent a man to space to jump back to Earth. I mean, you know, that's a pretty good pedigree. <laughs> Would you, uh, your band should do that. Your band should do that and then play a song while you're plummeting to Earth. You know, we have been looking for publicity stunts to engage in to get attention for the new record when it comes out, and that, that may be the perfect one. Yeah, I Risking think so. death. The other, the other side of this, besides playing a giant insect thing, insect bus, what about playing a free show in Toronto? Why, why do this at this point? For Obviously, it's a nice thing for your fans, but what about you guys? It lines up pretty nicely for us for a few reasons. I mean, and first of all, uh, it's good to just play at all. And when you're in the studio, it's not, you know, you're not scheduling shows. You're not going out of your way to make something happen. But when someone comes to you with a show, it's nice to get out and stretch those different muscles. Beyond that, you know, the, the record's not going to be done still. And, you know, it won't be out in people's hands until like the fall at the earliest. So we still have uh, some time that we're going to be away for. And this is a really easy, convenient uh, way to get our like name back into people's brains. And it's everywhere in Toronto, which we didn't even know about. Not even just the show, but they're advertising this thing on, it seems like, every bus shelter that I wait in, in the entire city. So it's really, it's, it's turned into this huge, absurd blitz. Where, which is good. Where better to, to advertise a show on a bus than a bus shelter? That's true. People might be disappointed when they get on the bus and it's not that bus. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm misleading people. Wait a minute, is your, is your Red Bull tour bus making stops? I believe the bus is driving across the country. I think it's the same bus that the Sheepdogs played on that we're playing on. No, I... I, I don't know if it's going to, like, pick me up at home. It's not making, like, transit stops in Toronto when it gets here. I don't think so. That would be cool. That would be pretty That would be pretty amazing. I think more people would be impressed with that. Wow, the bus came on time. That's what they'd say to themselves. And that well, would that's be... assuming the bus came on time. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Well, that's, that's good. I, I was curious about that, playing shows while recording can be uh, distracting. Lots of bands shy away from it. It sounds like for you guys, it's something of a relief to get out of the studio and play some shows. Well, the way it always works is you book the show and you're like, yeah, we'll be in the studio, but it'll be nice to get out of the studio. Then the week before the show, you're like, damn it, we should never have booked that show. We're so busy. This is going to be a horrible distraction. We made a huge mistake. <laughs> and then you play the show and you're like, oh my God, this is so fun. I'm so glad we got out of the studio. <laughs> okay, you guys are young but experienced. You've done all these things now and it's... Uh, it's accruing into, you know, as I say, experiential knowledge. Which is the best kind of knowledge, I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what's your take on what's been happening with Mayor Ford over the last couple of weeks? You know, you're playing in Toronto. This is still a hot topic. Uh, well, what do you make of all this? It's been a hell of a show. I'll, I'll say that. I've been glued to the, the Twitter feed, the T.O. Polly hashtag. Um, you know, it's a nuanced situation. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked when I say that I'm not the, the biggest fan of Mayor Rob Ford, but I also, I, there's just something a little bit distasteful about like the glee with which people are anticipating his potentially drug-related downfall. 
Um, you know, you know, nobody, you know, there's a lot of people that want him gone and I would count myself among them. Yeah, this is, this is it. He did a bunch of really bad, he did an illegal thing and got kicked out of office by a judge and then he got to stay in office. You know, I wish that had been the thing that would bring him down as opposed to like, he has a serious problem. Uh, right. That's, you know, that's a bummer. It's, it's interesting to me, the kind of wave of this, uh, humanization of him and this attempt to find empathy for him. When it's it's also I, I'm only curious about it from his from his like hardcore detractors I understand that, but it's interesting from uh, from people who are kind of moderately watching the situation and trying to find that empathy for him, even though he has said and done some really reprehensible things on the record. It's just interesting that he's done something potentially worse than the the one of the worst things he could possibly do. And yet now there's this wave coming back at him of people being like, oh, this persecution. Well, I think there's something that's, you know, I feel like it's always when uh, when you dump somebody that you all of a sudden feel, you know, feel bad about doing it. You feel like, oh, maybe I've made a mistake. I feel like once the power balance shifts and the result seems to be inevitable in your favor, all of a sudden sort of the kindness and the empathy start to leak out a little bit because you can afford to be merciful all of a sudden, no mm. pun intended. Mm. So it, it may be maybe people sensing that uh, the wheels are falling off a bit. Yeah. And you know, now, now you can ease up a bit. You don't need to keep piling on. Right. That's, that's one psychological theory that I invented right now. No, no, that's that seems that's a valid that's a valid uh, perspective on it. I appreciate it. You I mean you're in the city? You you're talking to people about this, so that's why I ask. I'm just observing it from from outside of Toronto, and it's yeah. I mean, I, I mean I've I've gone through it all. I, I haven't felt sorry for him, but I have felt sort of like you know relief finally. But then also like now it's initially I was like oh well now he's done. And now it's just this on enduring, ongoing thing. Like, there doesn't seem to be any closure forthcoming, you know? Well, this is the weirdest thing. Like, today, you know, for the last few days, if you went on Twitter and looked this stuff up, there would be, you know, every minute something insane would happen. And then I went on today, and it was a press conference about transit taxes, which is the same, you know, sort of absurd bullshit he's always spouting. Yeah. But now it's on the other side of all this stuff, and it's just so completely bizarre to... As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. See, you know, he, he says it's business as usual and everyone looks at him like it's really not business as usual. Yeah. But damned if he isn't going ahead like it's business as usual. It's well, like that, George Costanza going back to work and just pretending he never quit. Yeah, well, it's, it's, an, it's an obstinance that, that has got him through everything, uh, I think. You know, it's just like he's, he's a bullheaded guy. And I mean, part of what people are concerned about here is that he's being bullheaded potentially about his own affliction, you know, kind of in denial about what's going on around him. And I think that's why people are still not willing to let it go. As you say, I think it's softened a bit on Twitter, like the kind of shock and or whatever. I guess that's the number one reaction, just like the shock of all of the circumstances starting to subside. And now people are just like, but he's still doing his job. This is so weird. Yeah, it's, and it's, I guess it's funny because it's hard for me to really say with any objectivity because I disagree with him so thoroughly on, I think, everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, if this was, you know, David Miller and he was getting back to work there to, like, fight for bike lanes and, you know, he wasn't admitting he had a problem, I'm sure people would still be not down with that. But I kind of suspect that maybe there'd also, we'd, we'd be a little proud, you know, he's fighting, he won't, nothing will kick him off the job, you know, he's fighting for the people. Yeah. Uh, Rob Ford thinks he's fighting for the people, and maybe he's fighting for some people, I mean, evidently he is. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, yeah. But as, as you say, uh, it is that bullheadedness, and it is that sort of, there's a time and a place to be stubborn, and a time and a place to fight through for what you believe in. Uh, but you can also do that to a fault, and I would say that he has crossed that line some time ago and <laughs> continues to, to continues to go in that direction. It does seem that way. It does seem that way. Now, you guys have been in the studio while some of this has been going on. Has, has any of this scandal in your city impacted your songs? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm sort of, I've sort of got one eye on, on the iPad, but uh, everyone else seems... I, I clue them in every every time something interesting happens, and that's enough for them. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention to the record making process. No, I just wonder if there's like lyrics. that could be a problem. You know, sometimes stuff like this happens, and it does impact. You know, it's in the atmosphere, and it maybe seeps its way into lyrics or something. You know, and it's I'm, true. I would I would say that the you know I, I I'm hesitant to speak to what the lyrical themes of the new album are, but I would say there wasn't really any place in them for this to sneak into uh we're not we're not i don't think tokyo police club's ever been a very political band well sure but this is almost a human interest story it, it, it obviously is is mired in a politics but it's this has become something else it's, it's become its own animal that is true um and i suspect i suspect there's interesting you know words to be written and songs to be spun from it but just doesn't wait. I don't know the whole current affairs or whatever it is. It just it never seems like it's uh, it's touched Dave's songwriting in any meaningful way. It's you know his current affairs, yes, but right. Okay, it doesn't go far beyond that. What can you tell us then about what's going on in the studio right now? What what can you can you give us any insight as to how many songs you've been working on and and maybe what direction you're going in for these uh, for this new batch? I know it's it's still early, but uh, what can you tell us about what's been happening? Well, we're how many? I don't know how many songs it's been. That's probably like twelve or something. It's like a normal record's worth of songs. We're not. We don't. We're not going to sneak a double album out or anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, it's um, I'm I'm still I'm still sort of narrativizing. I think I'm still I'm, I'm still finding my way to how I'm going to describe everything. It's you know, it's all the things that everyone always says every time they make a new album. You know, it's different. It's bigger. It's a progression. It's more mature. All that. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. 
all of those things are true, but it's not, you know, <laughs> I like that you're like, the same old song. I like that you're like, there's a bunch of cop out things I could say, and then you said them, and then you didn't add anything to it. You just copped out. Yeah, <laughs> well, because those are all the things that come to mind. This is the problem. I mean, that's really, when I think about the record right now, those are still, you know, that's a big deal to me because, you know, it's, it's my maturity and it's my progression. Sure. So therefore, it's inherently more important than anyone else's, but of course, that's not true. But I mean, okay, so that that makes sense. You guys are on a, a trajectory, and it's a progressive trajectory. Things are are happening the way you hope they would. But are there are there things happening that you're surprised by? Are there sounds? Are there approaches where you're like, oh, we haven't really done this before? Something that we really did this time that I think we'd paid lip service to before, but had never done in any meaningful way is just trying to work on a certain directness and simplicity and. This idea that, you know, because when we first started, there'd be times when we just thought, you know, let's push this as far as we can towards being simple for people to listen to and understand and enjoy. You know, we would li- the music we were referencing was Coldplay and Rihanna and, you know, the Black Keys and, and, and things that, reson- that are currently resonating with, you know, a huge amount of people and sort of looking at those and saying, what about that is, is so resonant with people? And what can we steal from that that will fit into what we're doing, but will, you know, will make it cross whatever that line is to, to being something that people can really, really, you know, sink their teeth into. Hmm. And we started to push in that direction. And I, I know I personally sort of expected that that would be an experiment and we'd take something from it and then sort of scurry back in the other direction or find some middle ground. And I was surprised by just how much we liked it. It seems like, Every time we try to make the song more pop, for lack of a better word, we all like it more. Huh. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, I, you know, some bands will sit down and they'll try and rejig their stuff so that it will sell more records. You know, they'll try and look at what's out there and say, okay, how can we do a chorus that will get the song played on the radio and will thus make us more money? And, uh, and, you know, when you put it that way, there's something really cynical about it. But we found ourselves doing a lot of the same actions, but only because every time we push it in that direction and every time we do one of those things, the song gets better and we get psyched. And, you know, never, never before in Tokyo Police Club's lifespan has, has there been so many days where we'll all four of us leave the rehearsal space after practice, just, you know, beaming, grinning from ear to ear, sort of hmm. not quite patting each other on the back and high-fiving, but not far from it. Uh, and everything, you know, there's, I think our entire career, I've always thought the new record would be the weird experimental one. I don't know if it's just because I, you know, when I was a teenager, I got really into like Radiohead. And I had this sense that what you did as a band as you, as you continued to grow was you got more obtuse and, and stranger. Yeah. And this was the first record where I think going into it, I was like, this record, we're going to write pop songs. You know, I, I, and all of a sudden, I wasn't trying to put strange, dissonant keyboard lines on top of everything, which, A, saved a lot of time. <laughs> right. and, and I think, B, better equipped me to uh, just to be excited about where things were going. And I think we all were sort of on board with that path and, and with what our strengths are as musicians. And because we were able to, like, everyone could buy into that and sort of double down on it. It took it to a place that we were, you know... We're stoked. I've never been this excited about anything I've put my name on. Dave and I, like, we'll go out, and it's this joke between Dave and I that, you know, we'll go out with a group of seven people. You know, we'll, 
meet our friends from out of town. And within the hour, 100% of the time, Dave and I will be at the bar by ourselves talking about how excited we are about the record. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's detrimental to my social life otherwise, but it's, you know, it's just a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling to be proud, to be excited, to just, I mean, we're in the point now where we're, you know, hopefully we're weeks away from finishing the record and all we just, we just want to be done. We just want it to be out there. We want people to hear it. We're so impatient for this to finally sort of make its way into the world. And it's been a long time coming, obviously, but uh, it's a nice feeling to have. There's, there's not a lot of apprehension. Well, that's that's amazing to hear, man. I'm I'm happy for you. You sound very inspired, and 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 that's great. It, it sounds like you figured some stuff out about your band too. It's something's going on right now. And anyway, <laughs> so you did you already tell me when you thought it might be coming out this record? I mean, you're saying it's weeks away, but then it's really out of your hands after that. Yeah, well, you know, you uh, you fi- you finish it, and then it has to be mixed, and it has to be mastered, and it has to be pressed, and it has to be you know you consider the time when it comes out and. You know, there's we once we finished sort of the, the creative part, there's still the business part that has to happen yeah. if you want it to come out in such a way that anyone cares about it. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the slightly unknown quantity and that's the thing that takes time. And we, we can finish it tomorrow and it would still take a couple of months to get everything together. Right. Well, speaking of business, you and I worked together at one point at C B C Radio Three and C B C music for a while. Are are you there as much these days? Not as much. Uh, I, I pop in, you know, sometimes they have me in for a couple of days a week. Sometimes they don't. I like to keep my foot in the door. It's nice to, <laughs> it's really different. It's really different from this. You know, you, you go into a, a quiet room by yourself, as you know, and just sort of talking to a microphone, which I find calming Yes. for the most part. Some, sometimes I regret uh, taking on an extra amount of work, but, uh, you know, that's all, that's all part of the, uh, part of the process it's going it's going yeah. it's go, you, you you enjoy doing it it's still going well because this is a this is a thing you're also good at is, is is talking on the radio i think so and i also have this uh hunch that it maybe has a bit more built-in longevity than like driving around in a van right i can tell you that that might not necessarily be true well, you know, we're talking right now, you know, you're, whether it's for CBC or for something else, because, you know, you can broadcast from your deathbed, if need be, as long as your vocal cords held out. But, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're six, seven years into our career, and I, I think, you know, another 40 years of being a successful independent rock band seems, you know, maybe a bit ambitious to me. Yeah, no. I I... You, you, can, you, can, you can count on your, your fingers how many people can make a living at this when they're like retirement age. So mm-hmm. it's always good to have a backup plan. as my, as my mom. Would say. <laughs> no, it's fair. And you've got your solo ventures too. I was just kidding around. I just, you know, it's, I thought, you know, we're, we're colleagues in, on some level. So I just want to say, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's nice to speak to you. Well, listen, I, 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 I do want to congratulate you on everything and good luck with the show on the robot bus. And, uh, and, and I want to let people know that uh, if they want, they can learn more about Tokyo police club and their upcoming tour dates at tokyopoliceclub.com. Graham Graham Wright, thank you so much for the chat. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I like talking to you. Hey there, thanks for checking out the Creative Control Show. If you want to email me, you can at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative control with two Ks. I'll let you figure out where the Ks go. 93.3, all one word, creativecontrol93.3 at gmail.com. And uh, just so you know, the show does air on CFRU 
FM in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. You can listen to it online at cfru.ca or if you're in the Kitchener-Waterloo region, 93.3 FM in Guelph. Also of note, if you go to my website, vishkana.com, that's V-I-S-H-K-H-A-N-N-A.com, you can sign up for the Creative Control mailing list and uh, keep tabs on what's happening on the show. So there you go. Thanks. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.